0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call podcast. My name is James Bolden, Publications Editor for the International Horn Society and your host. I have uh, a great conversation today with uh, not one, but actually two guests, Dr. James Nagus and Dr. Drew Phillips, who I am pleased to work with on every issue of the Horn Call. These guys are the co-column editors of the Creative Hornist and Technique Tips, two very popular columns in the horn call, so if those names sound familiar, and if those uh, particular column names sound familiar, that's why. I don't want to give away too much about our conversation today because I'll, I'll let the conversation speak for itself. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed uh, talking with these guys about what it is that they do. They are incredibly creative. And this particular episode, I think, has a very nice relationship to the previous one uh, in which I talked to Jeffrey Agrell from the University of Iowa. Both uh, Dr. Negus and Dr. Phillips studied with um, Professor Agrell at uh, some point in their career. The preparations for the May issue of the Horn Call are uh, all but complete. Everything is at the printer, and I I think you're going to find, as always, a lot of really interesting and engaging content in the May 2021 issue of the Horn Call. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Drew Phillips and James Nagus. for having us sure yeah uh again uh, my guests today are james nagus and drew phillips the uh i don't know you guys are a dynamic duo for certain but you know you you're, you're the core duo you have not one but two podcasts you're both uh successful university teachers is there anything you guys don't do
1: i'm not good at windsurfing
0: oh okay oh <laughs> me either that's good
2: I, I, I was gonna say that I don't play pickleball, but I actually started playing two weeks ago. So that was my one thing.
0: Come again? That What's know, that?
2: Pickleball. It's like
1: I, a cross between tennis and ping pong. And and it's great. A racquetball without a without a wall behind you. Like I it, had it's no idea. Very short court tennis. Okay. Very short.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a ton of fun. Well, I'll have I'll have to check that out. I'm certainly there's no shortage of uh, time needing to be filled, especially as we're going into when we're recording. We're recording this just before uh, what for most people in the United States will be our our holiday break for, you know, uh, public schools and universities, that sort of thing. So. um, So, guys, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me today. I I figure we can just talk about all different kinds of stuff. We'll kind of see where the conversation leads us. I can't promise that it will always be horn related, but I think it's always going to be interesting. It's, uh, I think we can agree upon that for sure. We can
2: always find oh, a yeah. way to tie it back to horn. For oh, sure. I think so. We'll, tr- we'll try our best <laughs>
0: wherever Even we if go, it's a bicycle it horn. Yes, yes. That's right. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I think let's start by maybe. Uh, I think you guys are you know certainly well known through your various activities you know through the horn and teaching, um, but maybe just talk a little bit about. Um, Uh, your columns in in the horn call how how long you've been doing those columns how you kind of came to that uh, to that place of of, uh, James you do um, creative hornist and Drew you do technique tips or is that vice versa or do you switch back and forth
1: yeah we actually switch back and forth uh, every issue uh, unless we have something really specific we're talking about in which sometimes we do the column together Um, we trade off technique tips and creative hornist and it's just kind of depending on
2: if we have a particular uh, thing that we want to talk about that specifically relates to like a technical exercise, or if there's someone's doing a a cool uh, creative project with their studio, then we may just kind of juggle things around. But uh, initially, uh, I think one of the reasons why we both do this column is because our predecessor uh, did the work of a thousand people. And that was, of <laughs> course, Jeff Agrell who was, I think we've been doing this column for three and a half years.
1: Did we start in 2017? That sounds right. Something like that. Something like that.
2: Yeah, three or four years. And okay. then Well, it seems like
0: a... longer, though. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it was. You, you guys yeah, seem like this, your natural status. So.
2: This past year seems like a thousand years as well. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, 100%
2: but uh jeff it was the contributor for many many years past and he was our mutual teacher at University of Iowa and that's where i met you drew
1: yeah and uh that is where we formed our duo and where we started uh well i started writing originally for the first time i'd never written music until that second year of my masters and your first year of your doctorate
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um from that point, we just formed some of our creative ideas, and it led us to where we are.
0: Okay. Uh, well, okay. Uh, again, this there's always that time lag between. So we're recording this, and I think it's I don't know exactly when it's gonna gonna be uh, be released, but I think it will be certainly pertinent for the February issue. So you've got columns coming out in the February issue. Drew, yours is about. Uh, stealing from other instruments, right? Like other other repertoire, <laughs> warm ups, technique, that sort of yes. thing. Yes. And it's... and, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, and then we'll get to. James uh, oh no!
1: And... It's about being a kleptomaniac. Uh, that's yes. uh, that's the main point of it. Is that we should all go and rob each other? No, it's it's really not. It's about how I use different etude books and different music from friends that I've met over the years. Um, specifically, this column uh, applies to etudes uh studies and literature that I use for improvement but I've also stolen solos and uh other other more flashy things from our other instrument friends um, and how that's a really great resource to extend our capabilities
0: no I love that idea and I I one of the great things about, you know, being um, in, in the positions we're in is we get to hear lots of different kinds of music. We don't, we're not just listening to horn players. Um, you know, I get to hear other instruments play jury, so I get to hear a cool low brass piece that I might steal, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. No, I, I love I love that column. Is there, a, is there anything you want to tease in that column that you might point readers to to really check out if there's maybe a couple things from it that they should check out?
1: I think for... I talk about different areas and fundamentals that I think we like to use other literature to improve. So when I talk about low horn playing, I identify several trombone etude books like the, the Rochu the Herring, um, the Blazevich studies for tuba, uh, using that for extreme low. Um, I talk about some high-range stuff. I, I use some of the... Uh, Some violin etudes, some flute etudes, that kind of thing for that. Um, But a lot of it is stolen from trumpet literature. I was listening to, and I remember from the first uh, podcast, the uh, interview you did with uh, Andrew Mm Pellissier, and he said he does a lot of Arbenz, or that was like his project over... You know this whole summer, mm-hmm. and that's I, mean, I know the arban so well because I, I maybe people are aware I teach trumpet as well. I'm the horn and trumpet professor, so I steal from the trumpets all the time. I steal their arban's exercises. I steal their getchel. I steal everything uh, to to use. But that those are the things that I think really stick out is that a lot of it is a lot of it's still brass related. But there are a couple outliers:
0: some flutes, some violin stuff. Ooh, I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got to come back to the horn and trumpet thing in in a in a, in a few <laughs> minutes. I made I made a know that we yeah we got to. I never miss a chance to rag on the trumpet players. So, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they deserve it. They I mean. think I will tell you a funny story. that's something that uh, uh, well. Maybe his name. uh, Yeah, I won't mention his name, but I'll tell you a funny joke that a a former principal horn of a a pretty major orchestra told me about trumpet sometime. Um, Okay, so, James, your your column uh, in this particular issue, the February 2021 issue is about um, various activities that. People did in your studio for the uh, in the fall at at the University of Georgia right ways to kind of deal with some of the the distancing that had to happen, creative ways of building community and building in it sounded like based on these activities that your students and you were doing that you know people were staying motivated they were actually getting something musically out of this uh, in which by many accounts has kind of been a garbage semester for a lot of people but it's it 's heartening to me. Uh, to see and to hear stories about people making some some positive things come out of all this.
2: Yeah, I I think one of the most kind of unique aspects of um, instrumental studios is that we have a much greater sense of community and family than at least my perception of other arts or even you know sciences or you don't hear necessarily about physics majors you know going to their professors' house and having studio parties at least not that I'm aware of so <laughs> this the sense of belonging and community and support is so important in the college experience and the recent isolation and restrictions have really made that difficult and so i put together a list of ideas and thoughts of ways of of things that people can do, both from the perspective if you're a studio teacher, but also if you're a member of the the studio, maybe activities that you can initiate. And two of the ideas were initiatives that were um, thought up and organized by two of my students, one involving a duet round robin project, which paired people up. Uh, And so it gave them a chance to actually see each other in person and doing it safely. They met outside, distanced with bell covers and, you know, per the regulations. But the goal was honestly for people to just chat and be social with music being a secondary thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just just, a medium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And another project, which was a group warm up, which... Again, it just brought people together. It allowed people to just see each other and go, "Hey, you know what? I'm still here, and we're in this together, and let's you know let's get better while we're mm-hmm. here so um it's we're all learning how to deal with this, right, and we're all trying to do what's best for our students so hopefully, some of the ideas in there i since February, we're still gonna be in a very similar situation. I think some of the ideas are still pertinent and Mm-hmm. then could be translated to just uh when we're not in I mean, we don't have as many restrictions in place
0: right and as much as we would like to think that you know one day someone's going to snap their fingers and all this will just go away i think it's going to be much more of a gradual tapering down of you know as as different states you know revert, revert to their different phases or whatever and, and all of that kind of stuff so i think it's probably going to happen uh you know, in the way all human things do, kind of in in a messy way, and it'll just eventually, <laughs> hopefully p- peter out. But no, I, I I thought both you guys' columns were just really awesome. You, you both seem to be really creative, and really your 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 mental, uh, mental gear seem to be, uh, moving all the time. So, what keeps you inspired? How are you able to come up with all of these different ideas? And what keeps you motivated and and churning up new things to uh, new hoops for your students to jump through? <laughs>
2: do you want to go first or, or you want me to uh
1: go ahead i'm thinking okay uh
2: a lot of my articles are based on my students and inspired by my students whether that be a technical exercise that i make up to help a student or like in this case uh a more just creative idea or create creative project i think focusing on that is much more interesting than just everything being necessarily about, well, this is what I did for me. And here's a piece that I'm writing. I mean, maybe some people find that interesting here and there, but for the most part, uh, I know that I try to think about something that's a little bit more universally interesting and accessible and applicable so that, you know, someone who's a professional horn player or an amateur horn player can still get some use out of it. And so, you know, as... the we're all teachers here. And so I think we kind of have a similar mindset in terms of that being a priority.
1: I think exactly what James said is how a lot of my articles also come out is it's based on what's happening in my studio at the time. Uh, and another place that I like to draw some of those articles from is a lot of times when James and I do our complete musician podcast, if you go back and look at some of our episodes and how they line up with the horn call or when I write them a couple of months before, you'll see it's they're very aligned. <laughs> so I, I get some of those ideas. And then I, I text James and I go, hey, let's make a podcast about it. And he goes, all right. And then we <laughs> in those voices and yes. then we come together and uh and and that's a a good motivation as well for me to stay creative is because i have a colleague who's creative that we do creative things together um to to give me some inspiration to write
2: and on top of that too i mean it's i think so many people can get in the the trouble of doing a do as i say don't do as i do type of mindset when it comes to teaching and so I think that Drew and I both actively try to demonstrate what being creative looks like on a regular basis, just through Mm -hmm. our projects and through, you know, these writing, um, these journal articles and things as well.
0: Mm -hmm. No, and I I think you mentioning that, setting a good example, I think, you know, all all three of us studied with uh, various professors who would certainly We would put them in the category of being creative, for sure, Uh, 100%. You both studied uh, at at some point in your careers with with, uh, Jeff Agrell at the University of Iowa. Um, I remember the first time I met Jeff, he came to University of Wisconsin because he's a former student of Doug Hill from way back in the day. We won't say how many years, but... Uh, but, but he
2: was basically like one of Doug Hill's first students. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys can do the math. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was, I think this was my first semester of my master's there. So he came and I had heard of Jeff as like the improv guy. And so he was going to come do like an improvisation master class. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to play jazz. Well, that was the first first area where I was wrong because improvisation doesn't doesn't necessarily mean jazz, and so it was like it was an amazing masterclass. It was it was like a, and we did like one of the sound painting things at the end as part of the concert. It was it was really cool. Um,
1: I, I I truly think that Jeff Agrell has more hours in the day than any of us. I think he's some kind of wizard that has extended his day to. 48 hours as opposed to the normal 24 because he constantly has ideas and just ideas there were so many times that in my schooling I would walk by his office and we would just sit and talk and just spit out ideas about pedagogy and playing and technique and teaching and just all of these crazy things I don't know how I mean he has such a, a very multifaceted multifaceted career and skill sets you know we mentioned now he's learning norwegian which you know why not i mean he he, <laughs> he just should um we joked that it was so he could enjoy all his norwegian soap operas because that's something yeah, that's he not be interested in
2: that that's that's a real thing that wasn't a joke no i think that's <laughs> the
1: netflix norwegian uh t- drama's I He's just, I, that doesn't surprise else. me. Uh, but he just has, the cogs are turning in his head all the time. And it's just, it baffles me how much, I, I just wonder how many calories he burns just from his brain working that much. I wish I had that
0: power. Maybe he just doesn't sleep, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe. No, I, <laughs> that may you, be true. You, you guys, you know, the apple certainly hasn't fallen far from the tree. Um, But I, I recall having this conversation with, uh, some other other colleagues of mine about creativity and i think a lot of times our students they they obviously recognize creativity in their teachers or when they look at you know artists that are well known and and that are considered creative but they don't understand how that well how can they be creative and it's i think it's important for them to understand like creativity takes so many different forms like what's creativity for one person if someone else tries to do that same thing they might just end up beating their head against the wall it's like you know I think finding your own creative voice is really important. Finding that outlet or those outlets—if you're Jeff Agrell, the 57 different ways that you're creative—but for some people, they have like two things, but they're incredibly creative at those things. So, you know, I—I I, I think you both have done incredibly well at finding, you know, finding those places where your creativity can really grow.
1: It was only through um jeff and and i say cite james as well that i even started doing any composition kinds of things so it was like you said the modeling of uh, my teacher and fellow colleague that i started doing this otherwise uh my creative ventures before i went to iowa i wouldn't say it was too vast but that's why i treasure my time there so much is because it gave me a lot more facets to my career
2: and i think it's important too um as either as educators or as uh, a student looking for a teacher is to really find someone and to be the person that inspires that creativity. Like you said, James, it's you know it, it has to be fostered, it has to be encouraged, and that's one thing that can be dangerous about creativity is that it's so it can be so raw, especially when you're starting, like initial compositions and improvisations, and it, it's scary. And if that is shut down, or if you feel like you're afraid to make mistakes that's i mean that's the whole soapbox of why you know uh, creativity is being uh, taken out of younger music classrooms and they're being squandered they're being told they can't be creative and then it sets them Mm -hmm. up for a difficult and uphill battle but uh yeah so it's getting students to just take that leap and just you know say well i've never written anything i can't write any music it's like well have you tried have you done it have (laughs) you allowed yourself to maybe not write a perfect symphony first and instead write a four bar melody and Mm -hmm. see how it goes and maybe it's just the worst thing that anyone's ever written but that's okay because (laughs) the next one will be better
1: Mm -hmm. our last complete musician podcast we recorded was about compositions during this whole period because we haven't we haven't done one in a while, mostly because our other podcast was taking off, but our complete musician one, um, we talked about how, I mean, James, I hope you don't mind me saying that we both went through this like composition slump. Oh, and, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And the way we came started doing anything or the reason we started doing anything was for fun. I mean, it was purely just for enjoyment in writing again and for me that took the form of an arrangement of something from a video game i wrote one of my last horn call articles was on it about uh from the video game paper mario i i did a duet for two horns and piano because i loved the game i loved the theme and that was a way for me to just do something fun because practicing motivation i, I won't lie to you was at an all-time low there were no gigs there were no <laughs> there was At the moment, who knew if we were coming back to school to be in person or all online. And that spring semester, I think for all of us was really hard um, Mm -hmm. because we just weren't playing with each other. And it's just really hard to sit, at least for me, it's really hard to sit and do my co exercises when (laughs) it feels like it's to no end. And at that point, I like to turn to, like you said, taking care of yourself and uh, Mm -hmm. let's make this fun again and that's that's where a lot of the compositions or things that we talk about in our last episode came from is just pure enjoyment factor.
2: Well, I was going to say it's difficult for me to sit down and do my coprost exercises on a normal day. So, ever <laughs> <laughs>
1: Especially if it's on the F side of the horn. Yeah, with without... right. you like to do the you like to do the Reynolds etudes. We know, we know. On the <laughs> F <laughs> Those side are your favorites. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Didn't you send me a picture of the Grinch holding the Reynolds etudes? I did. I
1: found a, a meme that had the Grinch holding those because that's kind of yeah, yeah. Because that's how difficult they Some, are. They're
0: somebody so told me when the obviously you know Vern Reynolds wrote those at for his students at Eastman, like he would assign like two a week, and you basically had to come in with your two Reynolds etudes learned every week
1: at tempo. You mean a measure a week? Yeah, right. That yeah, accomplishable. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe.
0: Yeah, that's uh, those are yeah those can be brutal for sure. Um, speaking about you guys' podcast, so you've mentioned the complete musician one. Now tell me about this other one we were talking about it earlier before we started recording. It seems really interesting. Um, so we called it Drew and
1: James talk about everything because as we record the complete musician, I I edit those and if you've listened to that before you know that one of my favorite things in the world is to edit in just a ton of sound effects and silly gags and when we make fun of each other I steal clips from movies and songs I just I go nuts with it a little bit we it's got sometimes to that a little point point too. too much and it started off being a lot more straight-laced and then Yeah no one should ever listen to the first 3 bit. episodes don't ever listen to the first three episodes because they sound like robots. We sound like the you just don't want to listen to it and one of my favorite things about the complete musician when we record it is that we have a lot of banter in between where we laugh at each other. we say something that I don't include, but we just have this back and forth conversation and then when James and I talk in general um on Skype or when we're playing video games or or whatever, we just have these really interesting wayward conversations that kind of go all over the place and we just thought you know what it, it would be kind of fun to just just talk let's just have a, a podcast where we just have literally a stream of consciousness so every time we record one of those we uh we just have this we don't even have a topic. We usually just, no. just come on, right. and we have never planned it. We come on, and we just talk about what has happened, and then that story leads to another story, and it goes in all different directions until it's completely random. And we start everyone by saying, this is your conversation with your two best friends that you never knew you needed until now.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you know, we started this in the summer, or maybe it was a little earlier than that. And, mm. you know, it just it makes you appreciate and cherish... Like human connection that sounds like something an alien would say appreciate human connection uh <laughs> right. but, but really you know we do this music thing and that's great but there's more to life than music i hate mm-hmm. to say this on a music podcast but right it's it's people <laughs> hey, it's, like that yeah, absolutely yeah that's what makes the world go round and so we just we wanted to have fun and uh sometimes well we also on the complete musician we had some specials some like Christmas specials and we made fake commercials and, and we recorded were, Christmas albums. Yeah. Yes. We're peripherally music. And so, <laughs> uh, that kind of morphed into just, Hey, let's do this thing because it's fun and no other reason. And I think that's a good way to live life.
0: I love that. Now are your students kind of, have they caught on to your podcast? Do they, do they talk about them or do they mention episodes and things like that?
1: Every hmm. once in a while, the students, because we we do tell them about it, and a lot of the complete musician ones are geared towards them. Mm-hmm. And we repost a certain like our Christmas one. um We repost every year because we recorded <laughs> two two Christmas albums, wasn't it, James? Or was it one? No, it was we recorded we one
2: the gigging musicians Christmas album. Yes, and yes. then we
1: did a single,
2: Twelve which days. was the Twelve Days of Finals.
1: Right, that was specifically for music students. So we post yeah. those every year. Uh, the the twelve days of right music students, right, and uh, and the other ones that we have are specifically geared towards things like, um, especially during COVID, we talked about how to take advantage of online lessons and how to do your best with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about recording. We've talked about how to prepare for recitals. We talked for with. Uh, mini series on performance anxiety. We, I did a little mini series uh, on teaching and pedagogy. So those are geared towards them. But uh, I don't know if they've caught on to Drew and James talk about everything yet. Well, because to them it would be Dr. Nagus and Dr. Phillips talk about everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, to that, but I, I don't know if they've caught on to that one yet. You no, know, that,
2: sh- that one. <laughs> that one's not for them. That's, just for us. that's that's just for us yeah that's that's for
1: but although i will tell you random people have messaged me and said oh yeah i listen to your podcast when i run like your huh. drew and james one and i'm like really you listen to that as you run that's and they're like yeah it's just entertaining and random and fun to listen to i imagine okay. you talking behind me and it makes me run faster right i'm trying to get away from you exactly
0: huh. No, it it is such an interesting thing when our students begin to realize that we are also human, that <laughs> we, we have a sense of humor, although it might be a little bit different than the average college students. But you know, we find <laughs> things funny. Sometimes we find the same things funny that they do, but maybe for different reasons. No, it's it's kind of nice when you can share those moments of you know I, I'll mention a video game like Skyrim, and then it's like they were ignoring oh, me before. Hey, now we're yeah, but then they, you know, they realize, hey, this person lives in the same world we do, and they, <laughs> they don't go sit in their little six by six cube and come out and teach lessons and, and classes and, and eat so.
1: saltines and stare at walls and drink water for you yeah know, the other twelve hours a day. Yeah, no, right. exactly.
2: Well, no, I- we're having a next week our studio we're having an Among Us uh, party, which is a video game, right? It's a a multiplayer so online jealous. game. And so the students are like, "Oh, hey, we get to see how well Dr. Negus can lie."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I can that sounds like dead dead so hand. much fun. I know. Yeah. I've uh, I've talked to my students. We were actually planning uh, before everything kind of uh, kind of fell apart in the spring semester. My students and I were planning to go to an escape room together.
0: Oh, that scary. would be such a good so bonding fun. experience. Yeah.
1: And exactly, because with me there, I know they'd all like kind of watch what they were doing. But if I mean, James and I are uh, we are undefeated escape room champions. Everyone yeah. should know that about us. I'm pretty sure yes. we still put that in our bios at the end of our Horn call articles. Yeah, I think I've seen that, that we somewhere. Are,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, we are. Uh, we are undefeated. Um, currently, we won't mention how many we've done, but we are undefeated. And, it's more uh, than one. It is a non-zero It is definitely more than one. Yes, it is definitely (laughs) several. It is not just like we've done one. No, we've done several. And every time we seem to very much surprise and shock the person that is working. And we have been told more than once that we solved it wrong and that we went too fast. Um, (laughs) I don't know how that's a thing. I don't know how we come out of the room and the guy goes, you did it wrong. You weren't supposed to do it you did it too quickly anyway. Um, so we were planning on doing that because you're right. The studio camaraderie thing is, is real. And we, we are more than just their teachers. A lot of times, um, we, we are people too. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. What one book I've been reading that, um, I, you know we were talking about uh Drew you also teach uh you teach high brass at your, at your university so you, you you interact with those those other folks those trumpet players but you know all all ragging aside I've been reading this book by Wiff Rudd who teaches at Baylor it's called Side by Side um it's about building community in a in a private studio it's I highly recommend it it's um mm. it's just an incredible book and I mean it there's very little talk of actual like trumpet pedagogy it's all you know universally applicable things if you're working with a group of young people and trying to you know inspire them and motivate them and all those things we're supposed to do but also have them buy into the whole thing whatever that thing or things that you want your studio to be about it's different for every teacher and every every studio and every institution but you know the idea of them you know being a team it's 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 so important especially now i mean when we're separated by uh distancing and not always getting to be close together in ensemble so it's I highly recommend that book it's called side by side by by wifrut and no he did not pay me to say that (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's 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 an excellent book um so i gotta ask you guys what's the first thing you're gonna do when this COVID stuff goes away it's like what's do you have it you have your list of like you're going to go out to mm, eat yeah, you're so going to go good. you said that's you mentioned actually, an escape room that's...
2: honestly that would be pretty great to meet up and that would play around be... a round of golf and do an escape room
1: oh we talked about <laughs> doing that so much cuz we'd love to play golf together and we have, I would love to continue our escape room streak that would be awesome
2: yeah i would also i mean i i love food and there's so many restaurants in Athens that i still haven't tried yet and mm uh i mean a lot of during takeout but it's not quite the same because then it gets cold and like if you get french fries they're soggy and who wants soggy french fries right absolutely so going going inside a restaurant yeah. i'm sure a lot of people's answers yeah with their kids going back to school will be uh take a nap that sounds pretty great
0: yeah <laughs> <Right>. absolutely <laughs> No, and it's funny, Drew. You mentioned the Mario thing. My son has gotten into that, so we're pulling out the old Super Nintendo. We got out the old Wii. It's it's making us feel, uh, you know, youngish again. Just watching him get into all the characters. It's it's really cool.
1: I am a huge Nintendo person, uh, and I'm a an even bigger Zelda fan. And all of all of my students know that. I am just. I have so many Zelda T-shirts and socks and. I just I'm a huge nerd of the series um, one of our one of our podcasts is dedicated to I took the time to go through the entire game timeline in history which James was very very kind and let me babble at him for a very long time uh, <laughs> about that um, but that's those games are so they're so much fun and so good for like you said rediscovering your childhood because the early games are really hard uh, oh my God! Really incredibly yeah. difficult oh my God! <laughs> you
0: get like you're when you're done you're done. you get to the end of that level, and if you die, you have to start all over or if you're out of lives you're done <laughs> it's, it's insane
2: if yeah. you think about it, the original n e s controller is well it's really a lot like horn and the original n e s because like you said it's really difficult and it has like four buttons, right yeah, yeah, so it's unforgiving, yeah, yeah, right Very sometimes you want to throw it in the trash can. Sometimes just it like just horn. breaks,
1: and you have no idea why exactly <laughs>
2: take one day off and you forget how to play, just like horn
0: oh my god yeah i was yeah i i, I was doing the thing where I was like moving the controller it had been so long since I'd played I a console game, but mm. no that's that's cool guys uh I think it might be cool too to to talk about like a little bit of the, the technical side of things like uh are drew are you a mac guy or a pc guy I am a Mac person. Okay. Uh for now, yes. Okay. James. I'm PC. PC. Oh, yes. how did you all get yeah. together then? How is how does that world exist?
1: Well, eventually I'm going to go to the PC side because James has shown me the error of all things Apple and <laughs> The Apple tax. Uh, as I sit here right Apple's and as I sit here with my with my iPhone, uh, I he has so many more programs that I just want. And I uh I'm eventually going PC, but you know, when your school has a surplus warehouse and they have a really good sale on an iMac that's like barely used and a year old, you go get it.
0: No. And And it is true. Once you buy into that ecosystem, it's, it's hard to, to get away from it, but.
1: Well, although I did break my iMac and I did switch over to a windows side. So I do have both sides on here. Okay.
0: So what do you guys use for audio editing?
2: Pair of scissors
1: and some tape.
0: Nice, yeah, there you just go. like old uh, school.
1: Yeah, I, get old school. I use glue. He uses <laughs> tape. I use No, I um, I record into Audacity, or I record into Ableton, mm-hmm. and then I, I've been using Reaper a bit. If uh, it's not too difficult, actually, our our podcasts aren't pretty easy to put together, so Audacity works mm-hmm. well perfectly. Our
2: re- now. They're easy to put together. When we started, we had so many edits and stops and goes oh, that man. it took it was so, so long awkward. to put together. But that's the thing: is that the more we did it, the the more we flow we got, and the less we had to stop and go. And then the time went into putting in all the silly sound effects and commercials and background music and
1: everything. I love it. It's so much fun to me. That's I know <laughs> it's so like nerdy, but I love doing it.
0: Have you yeah. heard of Sound Bible? Have you been to oh, that yeah. website? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like stock. You know, recordings of things. Yeah.
2: I actually used Sound Bible uh, for a class project when I was teaching um, a class at Iowa called Creativity of Music. And one of the projects was an Audacity project where they had to make an entire piece using one sound. So you could manipulate that sound in any way with pitch, rhythm, in time, slowing things, adding just craziness, destroying the sound and then the idea was just to do it in so many different ways that it would create an interesting kind of hodgepodge or hocket of sounds and uh the sounds that people pulled from sound bible were quite creative
0: <laughs> oh yeah there's yeah there's there's pretty much everything on there um now i know james you've done some i think you did like a live stream one time showing how you um do like your multi-tracking and recording was there yeah. interest a lot of interest in that i would assume there was
2: um, I don't know if there's a lot of interest. Uh, I think it's good skill to have. And I would say the multi-track recording in terms of like recording, if you're recording quartets or octets with just yourself, I think there's been a lot of that more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably too much, honestly. Like you said, it was at the initial outset of this in March and April. Everyone felt like they needed to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, even if they didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that has since calmed down, but I think that's a thing that people are getting more comfortable with. The other stuff that I do is the kind of uh, the composition using the, the, um, the DAW, the digital audio workstation. And so when I'm making pieces like the three fixed media pieces that I have, Sounding, Saga, and then the new piece, Visions, then I also use... Uh, that piece of software, which I, I use a program called um, Sonar Prod- or Sonar by Cakewalk. Okay. And it's similar to something like Reaper. I'm just, I've used Sonar or I've used Cakewalk products since like 2000 or 99. So I just kind of grandfathered into using this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it's similar to like Logic, Pro Tools, Ableton, GarageBand, any of those sequencer type of programs. And and then I just integrate in the sound libraries, uh, where I can load up a patch and then play on my MIDI keyboard, and it records the sound that mm-hmm. way. So that that's been fun.
0: Well, that's cool. No, I have found you know with my students, we were we were talking about this before we, were, we started recording that you know, at least, at least among a lot of my students, they realize that they need to know some technology, whether they're going to be a future band director or, you know, they're going to go the performance route. They realize that, Hey, this technology of how to make music, how to produce music. Um, it's a skill they need to know, but they, they don't really know quite how to go about it. They know that like, For a lot of things, there's an app and they can just download the app and they hit the button and it does that thing they need it to do. But there are some things that there really aren't apps, especially things that take like multiple steps to produce, to 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 get a really fine recording of something that there's not a single one stop shop. You need multiple pieces of equipment usually and you have to know how they all work together. Uh, You know, what would be your suggestion? for how students can start to educate themselves about that besides listening to your podcast (laughs) right
1: i think i'm uh very close to where that is A, a lot of my not to you know uh toot his own horn haha but uh a lot of my technological advice has come from james because he does know so much more about it than i do Um, I am still, I would consider myself some kind of technical novice. I know the programs that I use and how to use them, but on the grand scheme of things, I actually feel like I'm still getting comfortable using a a lot of other technological things. Um, But I think um, that finding someone who will give you advice and good advice based on recordings and products that you see that you enjoy Um, Or you know where high quality is going to be the best place to turn, at least, in terms of knowing what to use and um, what kind of equipment or products that you need. Like, when I was buying my microphones, I'm using Audio-Technica. James gave me, you know, some options, but he said these are really good. And so that's what I got. And when I I use my Focusrite uh, that I plug it into, he told me to get that. So I trust his opinion, and that was what I went with. Um, That was your first mistake. Trusting my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't like laugh tracks in TV shows, so I, I, we can't I trust it too much. <laughs> uh, so that that's was my first thing is I just got good advice from people. Um, and then a lot of it was just experimentation uh, with some of the pandemic stuff and just getting away from recording a little. Uh, I started doing a lot more with video production. And that was really fun to download things like um, Premiere Pro for the Adobe Cloud and and work on putting videos together that were really interesting. Like I have one on my YouTube channel where I played the Saison Romance, but I accompanied myself on the piano and I'm playing the horn and the piano at the same time. And that was a really fun little project just to get comfortable with it, which led to my local symphony um, hiring me to put together our educational concert um, that I got to do. So I got to get really comfortable really, really fast with that. <laughs> but it it was only through experimentation I got that. Like I said, I got advice from people that I trust, and then I just invented projects for myself to play around with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my experience, I, I had been a Mac person and used like the um, like Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro, and uh, I, I'm trying to remember when I made the switch to the Adobe Creative Cloud, but I was just kind of running into some problems with like Final Cut. I mean, it the, the interface, the user interface on all of those is is very easy, but it, there was I was just running into some limitations, like things that I knew should be possible, it just wasn't letting me do it. And I was like, well, I got to try this, um, you know, Premiere Pro. And I remember when I opened the menu the first time, I was like, oh my god, this is. I have this. I don't, learning know where, curve. I don't know where to start. And so, you know, I just started very yeah. slowly looking at the tutorial videos and all of that stuff. But yeah, there's there's pretty much a YouTube video for just about anything. Like that one thing you want to do. Like I, I kept making my menus disappear. Like I would drag something, it would just go away. I was like, <laughs> crap. I still have that go-? problem. <laughs> yeah. And so there's yeah. a way to like gather the windows though to reset it. And it was just like, okay, there was a YouTube video on that. I was like, okay, just click that and it goes back to. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, right. no, for Absolutely. sure. Just
2: avoid those YouTube videos that start with, hey guys, good to see you, and then they don't actually get into the content until eight and a half minutes later after they've given all their sponsors.
1: The book. all caps, clickbait titles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ten yeah.
2: easy hacks to make your microphone sound like a, a Neumann. Uh, I don't <laughs> think anyone's made that video, but... Um, yeah, you know, the difficult thing with technology is that it's expensive.
0: I mean, it is.
2: I remember as a student having to save my money just to pay my bills and pay my rent, and there was no money to spend on these luxury microphones and, and audio equipment. and And I know that's a real difficult thing because uh, that's how you get into it is getting good equipment. So uh, my advice for students is to see if their universities have either. Recording classes or a recording department or technology department that either has equipment that they can loan out or that you can take a course on or um, just maybe even there's ways to apply for grants for equipment for educational use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think people should necessarily feel like they have to spend hundreds of dollars to kind of get their foot in the door. There's some cheaper Options cheap. I say cheaper, and it's it's still all expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all-in-one like Zoom, not related to the streaming platform, but the recording platform. Mm-hmm. Microphones. There's um, some Samsung or not Samsung, um, Samson, and the Blue Yetis are pretty decent too. Mm-hmm. That are USB microphones. And then in terms of software, like you said, James, the uh, Adobe suite. A lot of universities have licenses for those pieces of software, which on their own, I imagine that whole thing would cost thousands of dollars. Yeah,
0: the old Adobe Creative Suite was like, I think it was four or five thousand dollars. Like, yeah. but then it, then it's you nuts. didn't. There wasn't a subscription, but it was like because I remember doing the math. I was like, well, is it should I buy this subscription? The educator discount's pretty darn good to get the whole Creative Cloud, if if uh you know if anybody's looking into that. But then I was like, is that worth it? Because then you kind of have to keep paying it, and it actually does. It does it is a better buy than like shelling out the several grand that the old, you know, standalone stuff was.
2: Right. And then yeah, the academic discount, that is a, a great tip for any piece of especially software, is a lot of companies have academic both as student and as teacher discounts mm-hmm. and Oftentimes it's a fifty percent or more off, which mm-hmm. when you're talking like if you're getting Sibelius or Finale or something, you're saving hundreds of dollars, which is, makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the I the, the cost of like microphones and interfaces, it, it it's like astronomical compared mm-hmm. to, you know, what, what a college student can pay for things. And that was actually one of the things that turned me off from getting into it for a long time because i would worked with engineers and they're like oh yeah this is a six thousand dollar microphone i'm like okay well good for you but you know and i was like i'll never i can't you know i can't explain that to the other person I share my household with why I needed to spend that much money (laughs) on a microphone, (laughs) you know, the box
2: your microphone came in costs more than my microphone.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but that was because I was talking to people that this is their livelihood is recording and engineering, but you really can get, you can get stuff that works pretty well for not nearly the amount that a professional engineer is spending on their equipment. You know, think of it like, you know, you can get a horn that has all of the notes on it for a really small amount of money, but you know, a, a, a discerning person, that's a professional horn player. Yeah. They're going to say, yeah, you don't want that horn. But in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're a student if you're just kind of getting into this, yeah, get the cheap stuff. It's going to be better than your phone most of the time, you know, and through
1: post-production in so much of this, you can make things sound a lot better than they actually do i'm constantly amazed with things like my ipad when i take video on that at how good the microphone is on it Mm -hmm. and the input is and when you add go into you know your software and add some reverb and add some you know panning it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing the quality that you can get with maybe not the best equipment
0: Mm absolutely absolutely well, cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. I, I I don't want to take too much of your time. Is there anything else you want to want to share with the listeners and talk about maybe um, how did you guys get into the IHS? And maybe just kind of to, to come full circle here and talk a little bit about the importance of the organization and, and why you think it's important. We talk about money for students. Um, we look at that 25 bucks a year for the, the electronic membership for students and we think, well, gosh, that's not that much, but it, it obviously is for some people that, you know, it it might be a barrier to, to joining the IHS, but why do you think it's worth it to, to spend money to join this organization when there's so many other things they could spend their money on?
1: Sure. I, well, I think that for students, I think I also teach um, music ed classes uh, here at my job and, Um, purely for that reason, being a part of a professional organization is a huge advantage advantage for for uh, any music ed student looking to apply to a job they're always going to ask about that Mm -hmm. about being a part of some professional organization and IHS is Um, so there's there's that I think about um, not primarily but just as a very technical this will go on your resume and this is part of the things that in some states are used for things like licensure is Mm -hmm. it looks to see what affiliation you have with what um, group so there's that. But also IHS, I mean I joined back when I was in undergrad and I remember going to my first conferences and just being so amazed at all things horn uh because I when I went into undergrad I was a naive little uh, freshman that didn't have any idea about anything in the horn I wanted to be a band director and that's a, that was great I, I we need those great people I never had uh, until later on I did not even know that what I'm doing now is even possible I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do um, but it was so amazing to see so many people dedicated to this just love and enjoyment of the instrument um, so I really think it is worth it purely for inspiration for getting to know all of the people that uh, that we get to meet, um, we see now the whole social media presence of so many people like you doing this podcast and so many other professors and professional players that are posting all of these amazing things. And suddenly you go to events like your conferences and your workshops and symposiums and you see the people that did it mm-hmm. and you see the people you admire and you go, you're a real person that I can talk to. It's not like some crazy instagram person influencer that you follow with 4.9 billion followers who if you send a message to they won't ever answer you it's a real person that you walk up to and say i enjoy your music and they say thank you and learn your name and then you're connected for life Mm -hmm. so it's it's really cool um to be a part of this organization because of the the realness of the people you get to meet and the, the admiration that you have and the inspiration that they give. Um, everyone Every one of the horn players that I've met in in the IHS, I've, I've just loved meeting because I just, again, I'm so inspired by them. And they're real people. It's really great.
2: Yeah, you said it really well, Drew. Uh, Perfect. The <laughs> workshops and the symposiums and even the horn call itself, are really opportunities to be unapologetically a huge nerd, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. I mean, so we we like horn, we play horn, people love horn, and for some reason, sometimes that can be looked down upon, and I'm not Ugh. sure
1: why. Right? It's like who are those people?
2: Yeah, it's because it's people that don't ha- have hobbies, and maybe they're, <laughs> you know. But so go to the workshops, read the articles. Be curious, be excited, and that's okay. And that, that's why I think the workshops are so fun, is because you can go out and you can just try mouthpieces to your heart's content. And if you went normally and told your friend, like, I'm going to go try mouthpieces, he'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> but you do that to a horn player and you're like, oh man, what did you like? The last key? Did you like the, like, what'd yeah. you like about this one? What cup, you know, what rim shape did you, and that's cool and that's great. And I think this is the community of IHS is that it's like-minded people that are all supportive in that same uh, enthusiasm for the instrument. And that's the best kind of community to have. I think a lot of people agree that horn players are some of the nicest people in the musical landscape. Maybe it's because we're biased, <laughs> because we're horn players. But I genuinely think that in terms of support and being just genuinely good people, uh, horn players are a breed of their own and uh, it's just a great community to be, to be part of so that's uh, it's why I joined and why, well I, I'm a lifetime member I bit that bullet and got the lifetime membership so I can always get the horn call and I'll hey, go it's to a tax all the workshops
0: off. yeah it's a tax write off Oh, now
2: you tell me yeah
0: (laughs) well guys thank you so much uh we could probably go for a a lot longer but uh thank you again for taking time out of your day to to talk with me and uh hope to talk to you again really soon
1: yeah thanks for having me it's been a pleasure